trigger warning, in this episode we discuss sexual assault, disassociation and racist abuse. I was in a field, so and it was like the sky was really blue and like when I came I was like, oh it's like uh, like you've taken like magic mushrooms. It's just sort of like glittery. I was like, this is just a great time. Hello. So this is Sophie, Sophie Juca, if you don't know, where have you been? She is a rising star, if not an already established shooting star on the UK comedy scene. She can be seen on Frankie Boyle's New World Order, heard on BBC Sounds, obsessed with I May Destroy You, which is a strong recommend. Ah, she's everywhere, and for good reason. She's wonderful. Her comedy is insightful, so articulate, and watching her go from a newcomer to where she is now has been big times inspiring. We get into so much fantastic stuff in this episode. We had to cut masses for everybody who is a subscriber on Patreon. That is a boon for you. I am putting up extra audio clips, including Sophie's love for nostalgic fingering, only when it's done in an ironic way, hickeys. Also, we talk about Erica Lust's ethical porn. I go into some storylines that are equal parts, absurd and deeply intimate. Fun times. Masses else as well. So get on to Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Helen and for just three pounds a month you can hear all those juicy extra audio clips also if you want to give us a one-off donation for this episode and any of the episodes in our full first series woof, what an exciting thing to be able to say this is the 11th of 11 exceptional episodes spanning so many different experiences of orgasm so many different guests so many wonderful women and non-binary folk who've contributed to the making of this podcast yeah jump on ko-fi for a one-off donation that's ko-fi.com forward slash helen duff and as ever all of the details about our guest sophie duca and how to connect with the podcast in different ways online and off are in the episode notes I'm going to keep this intro short because we've got so much to back into the episode, which is torture for me because we've just moved into effectively centre parks. Our new rental is a new build. Who knew heated towel racks could have such a significant impact on your mental health? Anyway, that's enough about me. In this episode, we talk about Sophie's experiences of horrendous online trolling, how she uses therapy as an essential part of her process to make sure she's anchored in her body while all that shit is going down, masturbating, multiple orgasms, disassociation, and the distinct difference between having an open relationship and being polyamorous. Heads up for anyone who has particularly sensitive ears, Sophie is sitting by a road. As I said, it's a rich one and I'm so pleased to have it as the final episode in this first series of Come As You Are, the podcast. We made it! Stick around in the outro for more details about the second series coming at you in a few weeks. But for now, here's Sophie. Did you feel like when you went to uni, you were saying at 18, you had a sense of like, "Mm, I think something's about to be born here in me. Like the person I want to be is going to come up. Did that materialise? In reality, I was very insecure, um, as so many of us going to university are, because we are usually about 18. (laughs) But I, I definitely found it exhilarating to be around boys at that time and like to just be like oh yeah I can use my body and do what I like I just felt like a really big like ownership over my body um and I liked yeah I liked the thought that I might yeah like 
to have sex with people I was actually very to skip back a bit because I lost my virginity before I went to university Mm. but I was very I feel like I'm obviously gonna have sex I had sex with someone called uh right I think his surname was right which I don't (laughs) think (laughs) I think that's sufficiently anonymous but I was kind of just like I didn't need it to be like a super special thing I met him at a lock and key party what's that I think in like Soho What's a lock and key party? A lock and oh, it's a really feminist thing where all the women uh, who go to the party have a key. Oh no, a padlock around their necks, and the men at the party have various different keys, you and they the go around all night trying feminist. to. Un- okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the opposite of feminist. Sorry, I'm not. I mean, the opposite of feminist. I mean, right. the most anti-feminist party you could have. They've all got a padlock. Guys have a key. I assume there are about three very three possible combinations, but it gives like an in to the men to be like, does my key unlock your padlock? Um, and his key did not unlock my padlock, but luckily he did what I later found out were like some weird, I think it was not necessarily straightforward pickup artist techniques, but he made me do like a sort of mind exercise. Um, he made me do like the thing where you imagine a box and a horse and a ladder and then like told me this was like I think I think thought experiments were like in the internet at that time yeah. and so he was like oh well the horse is like your future lover and the box is like your relationships um so it was kind of a bit like therapy and then I remember he like dragged his fingernails along like the skin of my arm like that and I was like oh this is nice even though he looked like a sort of like new rave nightmare um and I was going to say Mr. Yeah. Wright is, um, e- regardless of his patter, even if that was cringe, if there's a chemistry there, then I can understand why you went for it. I think sometimes it's quite hard to explain. Like, o- on paper sometimes, scenarios sound nightmarish, but in the moment you're, like, extremely turned on because there's just something going on with your pheromones. Yeah, I just, I just really liked him. And I was like, yeah, I think I can have sex with this person. And that time I didn't realise... It didn't work. The sex didn't work. I think, like, I don't know what happened, but, like, it. he didn't... I mean, the sex worked. It doesn't matter if he came or not, but I think he somehow lost his erection or something, and he apologised loads, and I was like, babes, I've never had sex. I don't know the difference. <laughs> Genuinely, I was, like, very confused. And then we had sex again, and I was like, uh... <laughs> oh, I see. So you went to an all-girls school. Only The only reason I ask is because you said there were, like, finally boys. Yeah, I went to an all-girls school... Uh, that we did know boys but like they were out of reach like the song out of reach. <laughs> uh, they were out of reach and they I guess was sort of like a foreign not a foreign concept like it was a girls school in London it was like a day school um, and like we had weekends but I think when boys aren't just up in your face all the time you sort of like they're sort of mythologized a bit they're sort of maybe a bit like prey or like predators and you kind of engage with them in specific circumstances so it feels maybe like a bigger deal what changed when you got to uni then if anything what changed is opportunity I think because there were like boys all around like where I lived in like I could see them at any minute of any day (laughs) boys on tap uh (laughs) buffet of boys um I think that I was able there were like less like oh you will hook up with someone at a house party and then you will go home to your house it was sort of like I didn't have um boyfriends when I was at school so I think I really wish that I had a time where sex wasn't on the menu 
but sex was always yeah. on the menu. Like it was always a possibility that you would, or I would say even like an expectation that you might have full sex with someone, which, which obviously isn't the case, but it was just suddenly like, we're all grown ups now. And I was just like, I just don't know if that's like, I was excited to do it, but I was just like, everything is like, I'm all, I'm like, I'm on like a, a black slope immediately. Mm. Uh, mm. And I think people like loads of the boys were very focused on sex as well. Cause like they'd been out of the house for the first time so yeah I think it just became like the stakes had been raised a little bit and I think that I had fun but I didn't necessarily protect myself I also think at uni is where I started like sort of started realizing that I was queer but like in a very germinal way how did that develop yeah the way that I most noticed it is because I had a crush on my best friend who was also best friends with my boyfriend uh we were all very close friends but she and I thought it was like sort of like, I think I made my jet, like there's a sort of like weird jealousy where I felt inadequate. I thought, of course, he wouldn't like me. He must like her. But that was also because I liked her. And mm. I remember having a dream where I came back from like being going home or like not being at uni and like would walk on them and walk in on them in bed together. And it was just like a really like, ugh, like horrible sex dream. But I think it was slightly misplaced because I think I did fancy her as well and we had like a fairly romantic friendship but I just Mm -hmm. didn't really know how to deal with those feelings we also like kissed on the quad at one point but like people I I found that at university at least at my university people were just getting off for like abstract reasons um but then I was like why am I kissing my friend like I was sort of like straddling her like pinning her down on the quad and sort of like kissing her next to the bar. I was like, why is why is this happening? Do you think as a funny person as well, you might have gone into default, oh, I'm going to do this thing that I want to do and then pretend it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Lol, this is, a, this is yeah. just a pre- Well, I think I knew, I, I think so. I think it was just like, this is just part of like the aura, like what happens, but of my personality. Um, mm. I think like apart from like flashing up when I had those like, strong feelings for my friend at that time I think that I generally like I knew queer people I went to like some queer nights but I wasn't really part of any scene I think it just like sort of flashed out when I sort of felt a bit lost or a bit insecure um I think I think I yeah I think I didn't I think I instead of like interrogating anything I felt I was like this is just like a thing that happened do you reckon if and this is not necessarily, this is something I'm interested in. Uh, there was less rivalry encouraged between women or less comparison, like less negative sort of patriarchal, oh, you are a competitor rather than like a sister, um, encouraged. Then women would realise their queerness more easily. I'm bisexual, but I'm only really coming to terms with it as a consequence of being in a really loving relationship where I now feel more comfortable sexually, more sexual, more happy in my body that I can actually finally um, look past my own insecurities and sense of, uh, yeah, whatever that was and realise that actually I would quite like to be with... I, I, the The feelings I feel for people of both sexes, all sexes, are... Uh, can could be sexual rather than just like yeah like have sexual and romantic potential. exactly as opposed to I think in the past 
uh, I always mapped that feeling of potential attraction onto a feeling of maybe jealousy or inadequacy on my part or like a sense of yeah they're so that woman is so beautiful slash amazing slash inspiring um I must feel lesser than or something was going on there I don't know I just think I I always blocked or looked past the potential that actually I just fancied them a lot (laughs) yeah I think that's I think that's definitely a thing I think I I used to think there was like this certain quality about female friendships um, that was just quite intense. And I used, I think the the phrase girl crush or the term girl crush Mm. is super dangerous because I definitely had like a girl crush. I was like, oh, I have a girl crush on one of my teachers. I like just had a crush Mm. on her. This was way back in school. And I just like was so, like, I just like was obsessed with her. And I, but I wasn't allowed to think that it was romantic or even like in the sense of, like being like say you've got a friend who is so impressive and doing all these amazing things and it's wonderful I agree that you're like oh I must you can't because women are meant to be competitive and competitive for male attention and only one person can be this sort of golden girl you can't lean into just being really buoyed by how great your friend is because it always reflects badly on you you're less desirable you're less sexy you have to think about it of like okay I've got to be more like that I wish I was more like that rather than just like being not even basking in it but just like being filled up by the light that they're projecting I think like I I still I still feel like not like a seasoned queer I don't know if anyone I mean I guess some people are seasoned queers but I think that the way that you've (laughs) been taught (laughs) super spicy just marinating in the in the gay juices um the way that you're taught to think that women are attractive is so like you're so alienated from genuine attraction and what is valuable and who can yeah I I, I think that when I first started thinking that I might be queer I assumed that I would be attracted to women in the way that you're told to be attracted to women so attracted to a very specific type of femme woman in a very specific way and I think a lot of the way that I got into I got into queerness a lot of what the one of the first ways that I tried to access it was because I watched a lot of lesbian porn which I think Mm -hmm. is purely because lesbian porn is less violent um when it's free and at the point of access than heterosexual porn and Mm -hmm. it sort of looks like they're having a better time even though by the same token the lesbian porn that is right in your face is usually ridiculous (laughs) and like (laughs) super like super theatrical very funny in a way but I was just like, I don't want to watch all this violent pornography in which the women's pleasure doesn't look like it's prioritised. Yeah. So I assume that loads of all straight women watched loads of lesbian porn. All straight women had really romantic uh, friendships. Like everything was explainable, but the queerness of it was like the least likely option. One thing that I have realised in my relationships with women is that in queer relationships and when you're like the same gender as someone it isn't written it is not written Mm -hmm. which role you should specifically take and I had a relationship with a butch girl and I somehow became so femme I don't think I'm particularly femme in general Mm -hmm. but I think that I really leaned into that side of myself I really leaned into being a stereotype of femininity to being like sort of like capricious and like hair flicking and like <laughs> submissive and 
because it was sort of constructed within our relationship in terms of our own personal dynamics for a while um it felt really fun and it was really exciting to explore in a way that I was like I'm claiming this it's not been expected of me now when I have um relationships with women I've tended to be the more dominant uh the more dominant person to be like uh yeah more in control and I think that I think that is interesting because it's not something that I would necessarily associate with myself being like a small five foot nearly five foot three woman uh but I think it is nice to adopt that and have it not be gendered as male and you want me to with my elbow okay the controversy around was it Frankie Boyle's it was New Frankie World Boyle's, Order? Yeah, Frankie Boyle's New World Order. So uh, effectively, a, a big experience of being trolled and, and the press picking up and being really exploitative of everything that you said and taking it out of context. How did that impact you? One thing that really sort of, I don't want to say violated, but I felt very, it felt kind of horrible is that I remember when the Daily Mail ran the story they found a really they found a picture that was a promo picture from my show Venus in which I'm like talking about the idea of being a goddess as a black woman so I'm wearing a costume I'm wearing like a dress which is like not even a dress I would generally wear because I was like what's a goddess typey dress so it's like a pink floaty dress and in this promo picture which I ended up not using so I'm like this is I'm like sort of on the floor in like a sexy pose uh, or not even a sexy pose, but just sort of like relaxed, like, mm, I'm a goddess, I'm Aphrodite, what, what? And in this article that was created purely to get people to like froth at the mouth, make them angry, they used that picture of me where like I'm wearing this sheer dress, like I'm sort of sexualized. They're trying to make me out to be this like, I think like, uh, I think I said something like this, like, black Marxist sex witch like they have to (laughs) sexualize me in order to like more efficiently vilify me and like Frankie gets to be in a suit in the article and like whatever random nobodies are like pretending to be outraged by it get to be fully clothed but they want to have this picture where it seems to be an invitation to like assess me as a sexual prospect so that was kind of um and shows that they've really combed the fuck through your image. Yeah, just combed through Google like, image yeah. to find that. Because I was going to say when I was looking articles online about you this morning, I and I found very little actually, like uh, other than that shit, which I just mm. kind of eschewed, eschewed, eschewed entirely. Firm hand. Uh, the image search, I was like, oh, Sophie looks hot in every single one of these images. There's not like a bad <laughs> shot of you on stage with like your microphone like oh, in your mouth. In terms of your experience in your body of that I'm just interested in that uh that internet thing of knowing that there's a load of shit happening inside your phone or your computer and then when you close that off how you then if you can reconnect with your body offline or if there is an experience during that period of numbness disconnection panic I don't know I think that I mean, at the moment I have therapy 
uh, I do therapy, take therapy. Uh, and <laughs> little doses, <laughs> little, little, little bite-sized chunks of therapy. And my therapist is very good at saying like, how does this feel? Like root it in your body. Mm. And we talked about what was happening at the time it was happening. I think at the time when there was a lot of backlash for the Black Lives Matter Frankie episode, I was also doing quite a lot of work that meant that I had to be on my computer. I was doing like a writing job. So I couldn't fully disconnect it, Mm. definitely disconnect from it. And even if you're like, okay, I'll see something abusive and I won't reply to it, that's sort of like knowing it's there behind that door or like, I have to read like DMs, like seeing it come up. I don't deal with Mm. it straight away, but there is a sort of like, like a pit of bile that you, your body like, your your body knows is there that it wants to access the kind of things a certain tension and I I yeah like there's sort of tension like closed offness you can't be as happy and free about things and I have sort of found my own ways of being like ah oh, I can't let that rule my life but if I go to tweet something now or post something now I'm like people might just be like you know like in my DMs in a second be like die you black whore or whatever. So I think that was that was difficult because it's all very well to say that the online world is not real and you can just get out and do stuff. But so much of our world now is online and how much, so much of how we access tools to help us be in our body would be online. So that was difficult. At the time, though, I was like, I think my like physical relationships... I was in a relationship with someone who was like very caring and I remember posting something on bisexual visibility day and just being like, well, I'm visible. I don't care about these trolls and just being like held and kept and cared for by that person helped me connect to what was important and real rather than like swastikas in my, in my DMs. Yeah. Good. I'm really glad that you had that. And also that you could, root into that because I think sometimes the f- the most horrifying thing about the internet is that it does get inside you and like you can be having a conversation good eye contact with someone you love and yet you can't actually hear the words they're saying because you're just thinking about like what you could potentially respond to a tweet you just read two hours yeah. ago yeah oh, so I think a bit like a, like a sort of Aladdin's cave like it's just like don't what did you come on to do you came on maybe you came on to make a funny tweet maybe you came on to buy something but it's just like just don't touch it even if it's like a tempting conversation that looks like you could make a really good point or change someone's mind it's like don't touch anything get out there before it starts to blow it's not me not we must be the situation but it all down to the ground let's start again oh am i sexually confident i think it's hard because i have been in quite like long-term monogamous relationship no that's wrong that's a lie Uh, I've been in quite long-term relationships you can keep that correction in Uh, I've been in quite long-term relationships so I think with the people that I've been in long-term relationships with I have had like a level of sexual confidence that I haven't before but I also I think there's like ways that over like my 20s, my relationship to my body has changed because the thing that I didn't tell you Mm. was that I have been assaulted. Okay. Um, So I think that has changed my relationship to how, like how I feel about my body uh, and like how giving I am with my body or like whether I'm in control or not. I think in general, assuming 
I think even when I'm naked and doing the sexing with someone, sort of assuming like a role of like a sexually confident person or a dominant person helps me feel protected. Yeah. So it's like sort of easier, but I think it's kind of, it's kind of less, it's, it's more exposing and more scary to not be in control. Playing a dominant role, taking control of a situation mm-hmm. makes you feel like you're in control, makes you feel protected. Is that something yeah, that's... Yeah developed out of those experiences or is that something that you think would probably be Um, your default anyway I guess it's hard to separate them I guess it's hard to like this is something that I am asking myself Mm. I think that like when I was younger I feel like sexual stuff often took me by like I'd sort of transcend into an area of sexual activity and it sort of wasn't like I, I was like okay I'll go along with this so I remember the first time anyone ever went down on me was when I think, maybe not relatively young, but relatively young in my sexual experience. I was probably about 16 or 15. And it was this guy from like a boys school who still watches my Instagram stories. And um, (laughs) I was just so surprised that he, I was just like, it just wasn't expecting it at all. It just happened. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much nicer than fingering. Because yes. like, it tends to be quite jab. I was like, this is incredible. And I was like, I'm not sure my friends know about this because there was just an awful lot of fingering going on. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. I love this. Um, but I wasn't like, you go down on me. Talking about that separation that can occur between like body and mind and uh, almost leaving the building because you can feel like it's on fire. Does that connect with what you experienced after the sexual assault and and is that part of the therapy that you're doing? I'm um, so what I what I struggle with is I think if something that is sexually traumatic has happened to you, and this was actually the official reason that official reason I don't know I'm Sean Connery's here. Uh, <laughs> this was actually the official reason that I wanted to do therapy because I was like, am I damaged by what's happened to me? And so oh. I'm reluctant to say if I disassociate or if I feel if I have anxiety or all this stuff, it is linked to the specific bad thing that has happened to me. But I think that it is pushing I think pushing your natural or your instinctive responses down or being unable to connect with them is something that can keep you safe some of the time and is definitely something that I think people who are socialized as women are sort of taught to do like you sort of get groped by someone or like made to hug someone or feel uncomfortable but you can't speak out about it because you don't have agency you just sort of have to continue Mm. um And so I think on a low level, people are used to, like if you get hungry and you don't eat, eventually those signals get mixed up to not connecting with their bodies. And I think that sometimes that can be useful as an efficient, if you just want to get something done or you want to get through a traumatic time or you have to care for people. I think that, um, I think that as a response to what happened to me, I do... I do actively, I do sometimes, I have since actively disassociated or actively tried to disassociate or leaned into those feelings when they happen. But in terms of just general unwanted disassociation, I don't know if it's as a result of sexual trauma. I guess in comedy as well, it's kind of in your toolkit. Like disassociating is sort of an essential thing to do if you're going to go up in front of a really big audience or even an audience that's like just full of your exes there's a necessary detachment that needs to occur in order to be able to like deliver your material and believe that you yeah you just have to 
there have been times when you know I'm sure you've had these times it's just me like where you've been like so upset you've been like sobbing and crying but you have to go and do the gig or you have to get on stage mm-hmm. or you feel terrible and mixed up and uh, I don't think those gigs are necessarily the bangers but you ha- achieve a certain sense of going through the motions or leaning into an emotion that I know I have some of the time but I'm not necessarily feeling now maybe I'm feeling it by the end of the set maybe I'm on the way there um I just think there's like an there's an amazing amount of like violence casual violence that people have to go through that is often sexual I remember going to a green room (laughs) I remember being in a green room a green room on a boat and there was one at there that was being like really vulgar about black women about like black pussy and I was just like I am in this room and this is horrible Mm. and I don't have the authority to tell you to not do this but it also just feels so callous because like I am like because I'm there like it's just like respect that it's like I don't matter I've also been at a gig and a an act um was I'd gone on it was like a really shitty gig I stayed because I mean, I, I still would do this, but I thought I had to stay because there weren't very many people in the audience and I was quite new. And I went on and did my gig to like five people. And then the act who was like a middle-aged white man came on and his whole set was basically just about like how he wanted to fuck me as I was like standing at the back of the room because of charity. And it was just re- like just really uncomfortable, really like lots of eye contact, very just horrible. The person who was talking about Black Pussy was just doing it in the Green River as part of his chat. <laughs> I was like, I am an earshot and you literally don't care. I don't matter this much because I've come off stage. Have I just become this Black Pussy? Am I still like a comedian to you? He didn't com- He didn't like say everyone else, they were all men, complimented me or like said, well done on my set. He didn't say anything. I was like, what am I? And I really worry about younger like female comedians just like being prey to like, just like men's egos and men's like lack of care in that way. And maybe also because of the dynamics, feeling like they have to play along with it, feeling like they have to not say anything or even be like negged, being pulled in by that kind of negative spiel. If you're already feeling inferior, allowing that to get deep inside you. One thing that is nice about, I don't know if it's because I'm, more famous or because I'm old but one thing that is quite nice is that I don't feel like male comedians try and fuck me (laughs) or like try and like I feel like they treat me like I'm a colleague and I I think I when I was newer I feel like there was more disrespect there was more like what is this there was more like but I'm just like no I'm very much someone here who's working the same job as you and I really like that she's coming home She's coming home to me. She's coming home. Please don't leave. Recently, I was in an open relationship, um, but it was not polyamorous because I did not view myself as polyamorous or view polyamory as a goal that I wanted to maintain. Mm -hmm. But without going too much into it, I had an open relationship and ended up simultaneously having meaningful relationships with two people. Meaningful as in being like, I loved both of them. They were both very important to me. And that was something that happened organically rather than me being like, the ideal is that I have, you know, two partners and like we share that. I didn't think about that, but I think organically that happened. And that was something that was 
sort of like complicated to manage and complicated to think about what I wanted because people are all specific. For me, people are specific. And with some people, it would only ever make sense to be monogamous because that person couldn't be anything else or the situation couldn't demand anything else. And so if you stumble uh, into loving two people simultaneously, then it means you just sort of have to make decisions and those might not tie up with your idea of yourself or what you want. Now, this is what I really want to know. And this could actually change my mind about having an open relationship. Oh my God. I mean, I think essentially my mind is already... it's already changed (laughs) look I think I've spoken to you about in the past as well and I'm conscious that it's something that I should probably explore or let go of I'm conscious that probably a lot of the way I feel it comes out of a lot of infidelity in my childhood not between me and (laughs) other children (laughs) me and other children like in my family and that being really difficult and traumatic and therefore affecting probably the way I feel about like really wanting and needing and that being a valid thing the security of like having someone that I know I'm in a relationship with just us I'm conscious that like that being born out of that isn't particularly healthy but I think maybe a lot of people a lot that's probably true for quite a lot of people I am really interested to know if the orgasms with other people are different like because you have a direct because normally obviously you have a comparison across like oh my orgasm with that person like two years ago whatever or six months ago or last week was different to the orgasm I'm having in this relationship now but you might have a direct I mean literally not like in the same moment but (laughs) okay (laughs) having sex with people in similar time frames different people in similar time frames and the sex with other people I think my most recent long-term relationship was with a man and it was open and for the most part, outside of that, if I had sex, it would be with a woman. Um, and I think that in terms of women, people who have been assigned female at birth and are socialised as women relate to their bodies, there is a certain kind of empathy I have there as a cis woman. And so, and also in like the grammar of sex, the way we're taught to have it, um, when I first had sex for the first time with Mr. Wright, I didn't realise that he hadn't come or like a ch- mm. like the whole narrative of what that should be started and ended with his orgasm. Yeah. That doesn't that didn't happen in my monogamous long term heterosexual relationship because I had like a very good partner. It wasn't like this is all about me. But sure. I think that there is something about I know you're talking about specifically about the ry- rhythm, but like the rhythm of sex is different as it is with different people but because different things are being achieved and different things are possible in terms of coming Mm. um i think that there is this thing that is talked about in ethical non-monogamy that is called nre or new relationship energy Mm -hmm. and i have had some crushes or infatuations where i feel physically like I'm being filled up with this person like I can't get them out of my skin out of my hair like I'm just like obsessed with this person and I think that is something that is definitely a symptom of something new and I think it can be great it can be magical the first time I felt it unfortunately was very toxic but it was still exhilarating (laughs) like I hadn't felt like that since I was a teenager and that was very cool and I think that will inform the kind of sex you have I'm not going to say like one is better or worse I think the like intimacy of having been with someone who knows your body and knows how to make you come is great but also finding that out with a new person is also really great 
um, one thing that I was wrong about in terms of open relationships or sex with other people is that I think in my head I was like I can have sex like a man like I love my partner I just want to like you know if I'm at a party and there's a hot person there maybe I want to get off with them and I think that the kind of person that I am which does have to do with me being a cis woman is I love a story I love the story in porn I love the flirtation I love getting more of information about them and I think that always makes you more emotionally connected Mm -hmm. so sex with strangers for me is not actually that great in and of itself and the sex is probably not going to be great but sex with someone that you have chemistry with and that you're intrigued by is really nice and is something that is hard I think to and maybe not necessary to recapture with a long-standing partner because the way you relate to each other is so much more loving and knowing um and if you want that NRE or that little glimmer of like intrigue and not knowing either you have to be like that's part of my life before or maybe have sex with someone new (laughs) and what does an orgasm feel like oh for me yeah um so I think I feel like I can have a range of orgasms like I think I can maybe they're not even orgasms when they're shit but I feel like I can have some orgasms that are (laughs) shit I feel really bad for the shit orgasms that you're like I'm not going to give you the credit yeah um I feel like so I'll go from like the spectrum so like when I I think the best orgasms that I've had have always been with other people um I have read jealously like some books about wanking like I think maybe I read like Caitlin Moran and I feel like a lot of women have a period where they like sort of discover wanking and they secretly wank or maybe like it felt like this I remember I was at school once and these girls were talking about they had vibrators and they were in the year below and I was like I'm such a prude I was just so jealous like my I remember master like all my masturbating when I was like a teen or like a young teen was just like I'm very like I'd like knew that you were meant to look at your vagina. We'd had S- like PSHE sex ed and I'd sort of just like stick my fingers in it and just like feel like, but it just, I just didn't know how to access it. I didn't, I was just curious and just looking at it, but there was no like, I remember watching like Bible films and feeling like, ooh, like I needed to pee. Like I think I had arousal, but it wasn't like, I was like, I'm an, I'm an educated young teen. <laughs> I should understand how to, but I just didn't feel it or couldn't access it, couldn't connect the two. And so it was like kind of boring to like stick my fingers in my vagina. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that for a couple of years. The best orgasm that I, the best orgasm kind of orgasm that I have is I, I, oh, is that I feel like it probably takes a while of like coaxing. It takes a while of like getting everything to be involved in the orgasm. Sometimes maybe, maybe it's just like clitoral and it's just like, oh, it feels like really like, little tense but like when it's just like the whole area and your whole body is involved and I think oh it's quite hard to think about your attention to the fact that because this isn't a visual medium oh yeah you when you were talking about the clitoris being quite intense you made sort of like little I made little crab things like it's sort of like when it's just sort of opening and closing like really quickly (laughs) just sort of like clenching open and shut by itself and it's sort of but it's all sort of like in there it's like "Mm, mm, mm," it's like this tension (laughs) of like a little like and you're like okay like that's like a little clit orgasm but when like you're really wet and like it's like the whole area feels engaged and there's something I don't know what it is so it's going to sound quite stupid but like 
you can be coming and you've got feeling all these my poor flatmates can be coming and like you're feeling like these waves of like excitement and like arousal and then in like the best orgasms I've had there's a sort of like I don't know I feel like it's something like a fist closing like a sort of like internal fist (laughs) pounding it's just like another it's like another level like I think you're probably clenching even if there's nothing there to clench which sometimes it might be and then the fist how does that come in maybe I don't know maybe it's like my your clitoris is like a fist like it feels really hard like I feel like it's just suddenly like another it feels like another contraction I'm trying to it's it's well since I've come like this but like it just feels like uh, like being grabbed maybe it's like inside you like just being grabbed internally I remember one time it happened and I don't think I generally come like this from penetrative sex okay um because or just because I don't know like I was having sex in a field and I remember I had sex and I felt this. I was having sex with my <laughs> French ex and we're having sex in a field. And I like the way you put your hand up there because you were like, we've got to this point where the description is not, we're not quite realising it. I need to give more information. Okay, hands up. I was in a field. <laughs> I was in a field. So, and then like the sky was really blue. And like when I came, I was like, oh, it's like, uh, like you've taken like magic mushrooms, which I would never illegally take. And um, it's just sort of like glittery. I was like, this is just a great time. I think it's usually easier for me to come from like someone going down on me. We've heard about that <laughs> seminal moment because it's just sort of like it feels more specific. And also like I get a lot of pleasure from clitoral stimulation. I would be fascinated to know as a study, I would be so fascinated to know if w- women in cis bodies have a way that they first came or a way that they came quite regularly when they were younger that then becomes kind of not a pattern but like their most profound because it's almost like I guess if you learn something it's, it's like any other skill if you learn something young then you build on it more than anything you'll learn later so you have layers of experience on it you just get better and better at that I think I think I sometimes I've really wanted for me like sometimes I've really wanted to be like pounded I'm punching my uh, hand Mm. sometimes you really want to be pounded quite hard but I I feel and actually I I won't feel ashamed about doing this I feel like sometimes my like orgasm gets lost in that sensation I can't feel all the part like if something's in and like thrusting out of me I'm also feeling on some level it's not discomfort or just being in that motion rather than being in the motion of my body if you're being actively penetrated. So sometimes I you're like, it's... I want it so much and you do come and you enjoy it, but like, you can't feel all of it because 100%. you're still in a rhythm. You feel, you feel a bit far away from it in a way because yeah. there's so much other stuff going on. I think it's such a delicate balance between like being overwhelmed by physical, by a physical act of like pounding and then your body, I think it's like a little dance. Your body needs a little bit of space for me, where it actually has the space to almost go like, oh, I'm taking over now. You know, almost in a way that's kind of quite feminist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I want to have my own, can I? Can my voice be heard, please? <laughs> yeah, 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 Like yeah. I appreciate the effort, but also I've got a lot to bring to the table. I have had multiple orgasms, but I felt like there's been like a coming up, cooling off point. So it's basically like you're just having sex again in a short, short amount of time. But I have had multiple orgasms where in like very quick succession, I feel like I've, had repeated orgasms and those two orgasms when I've had multiple orgasms have never been alike like I've never had two crashing explosion orgasms I've had like either a a medium one and then a big one or a Mm. big one and then a medium one I've never had um 
the insane orgasms in exactly the same sexual session yeah i feel like it would have to be like i've rested a bit and then we're just having sex again rather than it's part of the thing yeah and also sometimes if you have one and then another and then maybe another (laughs) (laughs) i often find like the one in the middle is the big one Mm. because mm, maybe the third one you go for because you're like oh there's absolutely third or fourth or fifth or whatever Mm -hmm. oh there's definitely still like juice in the tank yeah yeah, let's keep going but uh something you like obviously exhaustion sets in but also maybe your body is like oh no you've had the best you've had the best one don't keep yeah you You can't match that yeah I feel like yeah I feel like I'm very yeah I think my body is like gets lazy and like I have like the orgasm is so good but I'm just like I'm not I don't I don't know maybe I need I think it is possible but I think that one big one is usually all I can handle for a while that was Sophie such a legend you can understand now why we were spoilt for choice when it came to the edit hence all the juicy special treats on Patreon go to patreon.com forward slash Helen Duff to access those or if you just want to say so many thank yous for us making a full series of this banging podcast go to ko-fi.com forward slash Helen Duff to bung us some pounds I would be deeply grateful for that because I have loved making this series so much and it would be really cool to see some (laughs) monetary reflection of all the effort that has gone into the interviews, the editing and everything else alongside. I am really excited about making the second series. We are doing interviews imminently with some amazing guests. I don't even want to get into who we've got on but it is exciting that people have heard the podcast thought it was brilliant and now want to be featured on it i'm very very grateful for that so let us know if there are in particular any experiences that you feel you would like to have more represented on the pod that you haven't heard about that maybe you are experiencing and you would like some others to share around that would be super cool we are on facebook instagram twitter etc all the details are in the episode notes this podcast is made with love by myself daisy grant and lorna rose treen i edited this one and it was a lot of fun that's all i've got to say other than the biggest of thank yous for sticking with us for the full series i can see you in the numbers and you bring me so much joy also all of the people who have left a review on itunes shared it with a friend given it five stars you are very special in my heart keep doing that i love it and the more people hear about it the more people hear about it if you know what i mean so (laughs) yeah it never needs to stop that stuff go on itunes give us a review rate it five stars and pass it on to somebody you think would deeply enjoy it i will be back soon Have a great rest of your week, day, evening, middle of the night, wherever you're listening, and take care of yourself.